This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. Well, we've been talking about faith for the last few months, and we're still on it. I'm going to ask you to turn tonight to the book of Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. Now, this, this stuff on faith, it stirs me up. Oh my gosh, it becomes a passion within me. Just to say, Lord, help us, help us all. But in the book of, of uh, John chapter 16, verse 33, the Lord Jesus said, In this world, you will have tribulations." Not maybe so, a little bit. He said, in this world, you will have tribulations. Now, I looked up the word tribulation today, and I'm going to read some of the definitions of these. It might describe your life right now. Pressure, stress, anxiety, affliction. Even one area of tribulation likens it to a squeezing. It's like we start getting squeezed. Does that define I mean, that defines, there's area in my life that that defines me. But he says, be a good cheer, I've overcome the world. So when we look at this, many times the pressures of life come on us, and the ultimate goal, a lot of those, is to get you to lay down, to get you to quit, or, or even just to settle. Just to settle. Not to go for the things of God. Just settle. And every one of us in this room, we get knocked down. Every one of us. Proverbs twenty four sixteen says, The righteous man will fall seven times, but he'll get back up. So the issue isn't if we fall. The issue is, are we going to get back up? And I believe at times, even in the area of our faith, man, it, it, becomes, it becomes a battle to believe God. Where we see our circumstances and we see our, our, our feelings and everything begins to happen. And before long, we live with a thing called if and buts. If this happened or but. If it, and, you know, as kids, we used to say this all the time. If if and buts were candy and nuts, what a Merry Christmas we'd have. But again, what do we do when life tries to squeeze us? Begin here in Romans chapter 1, verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. We should never be ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Now watch what he does when he talks about here the gospel of Christ. It's the apostle Paul talking. For it, the gospel of Christ, is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. So if I read that correctly... The gospel of salvation has life-changing power within it. And if you know what he said there, for everyone who believes. So he likens salvation to having to have faith. And the aspect of faith when it comes to salvation is i got to believe in the Lord Jesus. I've got to believe in the things He did for me on the cross. He went to hell for me. And again, when we talk about this, the reason it's called faith and believing, none of us ever met Jesus face to face. I didn't, I didn't see Him physically die on the cross. But I believe with all my heart it happened. 
How do I believe that? Because the scriptures tell us. And so that's the power of the gospel of Christ. Now he says in verse 17, For in it, the gospel of Christ, the righteousness of God is revealed. How God makes us right in his sight. Righteousness has nothing to do with what I am. Righteousness has everything to do with what Jesus is. There in uh, 2 Corinthians 5 it says, because of Jesus, we are the righteousness of God in Christ. So he makes some great statements here and he says, for, it is the right, for in it the righteousness of God is re- revealed, how? From faith to faith. The New Living says, it is accomplished from start to finish by faith. The message says, it shows up in acts of faith. So when we see it's revealed from faith to faith, I start out my my Christian life by faith, and I'm going to end by faith. So he tells me that it's going to be learning to live by faith, and he ends this verse in verse 17 and says, The just shall live by faith. Faith and faith alone The person who learns to trust in him by faith, it says he really lives. He really learns to live. And so again, this becomes a process for every one of us in this room. We learn through the scriptures. We learn through hanging out with Jesus how faith becomes developed. And we begin to get in the word and understand this. Even his disciples had to learn that. Remember where they looked at him and said, Lord... Increase our faith. Help us with our faith. So as we begin here tonight, and we, 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 we lay a bit of, little bit of a foundation, I'm going to have you go to the book of Numbers, chapter 13. Numbers 13. And, and as you're turning there, part of the way my faith begins to be strengthened, that I, I conform to God's will. And the way I conform to God's will is, God's will is His word. You get in the Word of God, you'll get into the will of God. You want to know what God's will is? Just get into the Word of God. So where we go with this passage is here in Numbers 13. The Israelites have come out, out of Egypt. And Moses has led them to the promised land. Now where they're at right here, they're, they're camped right across from going into the promised land. They're holed up right there and they're going to have to make some decisions. Now, what I want you to see here in this passage, you're, you're going to begin to see how I'll either have the opportunity to learn to live by faith or I'll live by doubt and unbelief. One of the two. Numbers 13, verse 1. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Send men to spy out the land of Canaan. Now, different references where it says the word spy... It says to explore it. One of them says to survey it. I like that one. You begin to survey the land of Canaan. Now, the next phrase that I'm going to read, we've really got to get a hold of this, okay? He said, the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the children of Israel. If you'll note what he said, which I am giving to the children of Israel. When God said this, This was a promise from God. God said, I'm going to give it to you. Understand this with Father God. 
In, in the book of Titus, chapter 1, verse 2, it says that God is not a God that he can lie. So God right here, he tells them, I, I'm promising you. I'm, this is my promise to you. So the reason I highlight that is because every one of us in this room, we find things that God has promised to us. The way I allot those or I, I, I get them to come alive in my life is by faith. I begin to believe this is what God's word said. See, it's the same with salvation. That's a promise to every one of us. But how do I allocate that? I allocate that only by faith. So he's given them a promise right here, just like he does me and you. So he goes on to say, From each tribe of the fathers, you shall send a man, every one, a leader among them. Now remember, the, the, the tribes, there were 12 of them. So he said, I'm going to send... One leader, and if you'll note that, he said leader. These were men who had had seen the things of God for years. And he said, I'm going to send one leader of every tribe. So literally we could say these 12 were probably the original dirty dozen. We're going out, boys. We're fixing to go scout it out. So he goes through all the names. Now I want you to pick up same chapter, verse 17. Then Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan, and he said to them, Go up this way into the south, go up to the mountains, and see what the land is like. Whether the people who dwell in it are strong or weak, few or many. Whether they, whether the land they dwell in is good or bad, whether the cities they inhabit are like camps or strongholds. Whether the land is rich or poor, and where there are forests there or not. Be of good courage, and bring some of the fruit of the land. Now the time was the season of the first grapes. So he says, what, what your assignment is, is I want you to gather information about the people, about the land, and about the cities. The reason we highlight that is God is saying, I want you to get this so you have a game plan on how you're going to attack. Now when you look at this, God never did say, I want you to go up there and form your own opinions. I want you to go up there and check it out and, and see what you begin to think about. Draw some conclusions. God didn't say that because, again, we revert all the way back to verse 2 where God said, I'm giving you this land. This land is yours. And so he's already told them what he wants to do here. So we pick up now in verse 25 because they've gone up and they've come back. So we're in verse 25. So they returned from spying out the land after 40 days. So they go on a, on a little 40-day field trip. You know what's interesting about the number 40? If you go through the Bible and begin to look at it, in many instances, the number 40 is, is a representation of complete. It's completed. It's fulfilled. How many, uh, how many days was Jesus tempted in the wilderness in Matthew 4? 40 days. Remember when Noah was on the ship? How many days was he on there on the ark? 40. How many disciples were there? Not 40. That's a trick question. There was just 12. All right. I'm just throwing that out there a little bit. Okay. So again, 40 days is here. So they go up so it's been completed. Verse 26. 
Now they departed and came back to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the children of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. And they brought back word to them and to all the congregation and they showed them the fruit of the land. Now, one thing about this place called Kadesh, Kadesh is, is on, on the fringe of both areas. It, it could be referred to as belonging to one or the other. So literally, Kadesh is almost like it borderlines. And so what it tells me here, they're going to have the opportunity to either obey or disobey. To go in like God said or don't go in. So when I begin to look at the thing Kadesh, Kadesh is likened to the book of Revelations, chapter 3, where it says about the lukewarm. God said, I would rather you be hot or cold because if you're lukewarm, I'll spit you out. So to a degree, that's where they were. They bordered that. And I believe that's the same with us. God wants us to jump in. He wants us to get into the area that he's promised and say, you know what, that's where I'm going to live. That's what we're going to do. So this is Kadesh, just throwing in a little insight. Verse 27. Then they told him and said, we went to the land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. Now, when they begin to talk about this here, it was the promised land. Exactly what God said it would be. And when you see the land that flows with milk and honey, that means everything they would need for a blessed life, it was there. Now, when you study the promised land here, it was 150 miles long and 60 miles wide. So remember, they had heard everything. And remember what they said. They begin to go back and they begin to tell the people, it's just like what God said it would be. Keep reading. Nevertheless, one translation for the word nevertheless says, but nevertheless, The people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. Now, when you begin to see what they said, you begin to get a picture that they are beginning to speak fear. They're beginning to speak some doubt and unbelief because they they said specifically, the people are strong, they're fortified, they're very large. And then the last thing they said, and the people of Anik are there. The people of Anik were the most feared of all of them. Many believe they were some of the descendants of Goliath. So they were some very, very large people. So to a degree, these ones who said, nevertheless, you know what they're saying? Listen, guys, we've got to be realistic here. Let's be real. Let's just look at the facts. The people are big, their cities are fortified, and on top of that, we're going to have to deal with the descendants of Anak. So you begin to see right here, God said one thing, this is the land I promised you, but all of a sudden, because of a group of them, it begins to change the way they think and how they believe. So he goes on to say in verse 29, The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south, the Hittites, the Jebusites, and I'm going to keep going because it's all the ites in that verse. Verse 30. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses 
And he said, let us go up at once. Let us go up now and take possession of the land for we are well able. We have the capacity to prevail or proceed to overcome it. So what you see with this guy named Caleb, and you, you go back and you look, 10 says they can't, but these two, Caleb and Joshua said, let's do it right now. Do you know what they did? They go completely against popular opinion. They go completely against the majority. The majority are saying we can't do it, while these two said we can And so when you look at truth, truth is never measured by popularity or numbers. I've, I've got to get in my heart, this is how I'm going to live. This is how my family, we're going to live by faith. We're going to walk by faith. And literally what Caleb was saying, God said, he's given to this land. We've just got to go in and possess it. And I believe too many times we start listening to the opinions of other people. The New Living says, we can certainly conquer it. And so when you look at Caleb and Joshua, over and over they had to battle unbelief. Every chance they got, they tried to inject faith and they would go back to the promise and said, listen, it truly flows with milk and honey. Verse 31. But the men who had gone up with them said, We are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. But what did God promise? Now, if you'll note there, but the men who had gone up with them, they said, My words can be faith killers. My words can be faith assassins. And what you begin to find out, the words that come out of your mouth will locate you. Do you know that people who say they can and people who say they can't, they're both right. And so when he said this right here, we're not able to do this. The words that these men, these ten leaders were speaking begin to paint a picture in the people's heart and the people's mind. And they begin to think in their minds, we can't do that. We can't go in because, again, the obstacles are too big. See, unbelief looks at obstacles where faith looks at God. Unbelief begins to talk about the circumstances. You know what faith talks about? It talks about God's promises. But God said. This is what God said. So again, faith is very important for me to get a hold of the Word of God. And then I begin to speak the Word of God, those scriptures, by faith. So remember, he called those things that be not. So we keep reading here, verse 32. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report, an evil report. One translation says, a faithless report. And they spied out the land, the land through which we have gone as spies of the land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature. Again, every time they begin to speak, they begin to paint a picture. 
He goes on to say in verse 33, There we saw the giants, the descendants of Anik. They came from the giants, and we were like grasshoppers in our own sights. So we were there in our own sight. So literally what happens here is they take on a grasshopper mentality. I can't do it. We're not big enough. We're not strong enough. So here's where I begin to go back and I look at this. You have 12 spies that go in. All 12 of them saw the same thing. Every one of them saw the same thing. But yet, why did only two of them believe and the other ten didn't? I believe the two that believed, they hung on to the promise of God. Remember, the just shall live by faith. They go from faith to faith to faith. Faith isn't blind to present realities. Faith just speaks what God says right there to the mountain. It's not blind to it. It doesn't say it doesn't exist. It's not. No, faith just says, but God said he's going to give us this land. So in 2 Corinthians 5, 7, it says we walk by faith and not by sight. So if I'm only moved by what I see, it's going to get me in trouble. But I've got to get back over in the word of God. I, I choose the report of God over a human report. Now, for time's sake, I, I want you to stay there in the same chapter. But look down with me in verse number, or chapter 14, verse 1. So all the congregation, they lifted up their voices and they cried and the people wept that night. And all the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron. And the whole congregation said to them, If only we had died in the land of Egypt, or only if we had died in the wilderness. Now, as I looked at that, I thought, it doesn't take any faith to die. And here's my thought. I would rather die trying to go to the promised land than go back to the old life that I used to live. When they said we'd rather die in the wilderness or Egypt, these guys were slaves. These guys were in bondage for 400 years. They act like they had a great life there. And it would be like us saying, you know what, I've been born again, but ah, this is no good. I'm going to go back to where I was. Verse 3. Why has the Lord brought us to this land to fall by the sword that our wives and our children should become victims? A victim mentality. Would it not be better for us to return to Egypt? So what begins to take place here is the big D, discouragement. When I look to verses 1 through 4, one of the reasons discouragement comes to every one of us is when we quit believing the Word of God, discouragement comes in. And if you'll note the fruit of discouragement there, they begin to complain. They begin to bellyache. They were mad at Moses. They were mad at God. But the reality of it was God promised and they chose not to go in with what he promised them. Verse 4. So they said to one another, let's select a leader and let's return to Egypt. Wow. When I look at this part right here about returning to Egypt, not only did they say to select leaders, you know what they said about Caleb and Joshua? They said, let's kill them. 
Let's stone those two knuckleheads. We don't want to hear faith anymore. We don't want to hear believing and trusting God. This is how far back they had gone. This is how far back they reverted. And so again, we start by faith. And I got to end by faith. And, and these men right here, these ten leaders that were speaking all this doubt and unbelief, these were men that grew up as slaves in Egypt. They saw the faithfulness of God. They saw God put the ten plagues on the Pharaoh. These are men who saw God split the Red Sea. These are the same ten guys that, that saw every day the man have fallen down. They saw God bring water out of the rocks. But yet they quit trusting God. They quit believing God. And so again, it goes back to where we started. Sometimes when life's stress, when life's pressures come on us and they start squeezing us, guess what happens? You find out what's on the inside of you. You find out where you're at. I'm not going to end on a sour note, that's for sure. Same chapter, verse 11. Then the Lord said to Moses, How long will these people reject me? Watch real close the next words. And how long will they not believe me with all the signs which I have performed among them? So was God saying here the reason they rejected him is because they didn't believe him? Again, so many times in the New Testament, remember Jesus would look at disciples and say, Oh, ye of little faith. Come on, come on, just trust me. Come on, just believe me. And here, this is what the, the Lord ends up saying to Moses. Will you just please believe me? Will you just please trust me? I can tell you this today. I'm just like every one of you in this room. I battle this. Just like you do. When life squeezes me, I have the opportunity to speak. Woo, I can do all things through Christ Jesus. My God will supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. Or I, I can be just like the ten. I can get over and I can say, this isn't fair. Life's so hard. Where are you at, God? Why'd you lead me to Lubbock, Texas to start a church and then you tear the steeple down? <laughs> I didn't say that, okay? I just an analogy. But you begin to see how easy it is for when, when life really squeezes me, I begin to find out, okay, Father God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to believe you. Now, here, here's a verse that you got to see. Same chapter, chapter 14, verse 24. Listen to this. Golly, this is good. My servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit in him and has followed me fully, I will bring him into the land where he went and his descendants shall inherit it. When you go back and look at all of them, all ten of those spies, the only two that ever went into the promised land was Caleb and Joshua. The rest of them never made it. They literally wandered around after this for 38 more years. They wasted their life. They were a bunch of bedwetters. They complained and they bellyached and never got in. 
But he said, my boy, my son, the man of God who completely, fully trusted me, he had a different spirit. And the different spirit that he had in him was, I'm going to believe God. So the only way we ever receive the promises, we walk in them, is we believe God. We begin to trust God. And so when you get a hold of the word of God, understand this, to live from God, it's going to be from faith to faith. It's going to be learning to trust God. And I don't know what you're going through right now, but there's certain things that i got to learn to do. I find scripture that pertains what I'm going through. And then, just like God promised them, I, I really believe with all my heart, day after day, Caleb and Joshua would look at him and say, listen, we're going to the promised land, boys. We're going to the land that flows in milk and honey. God said so. God said so. And so something happens when I begin to speak the word of God. That's the rhema, the spoken word. You speak the word. You speak what you're believing. You find scripture and you stand on it. And again, I'll I'll give you analogies. One last analogy here tonight. I'm telling you, there's been times in in my life where I've, I've had to just stand on the word and stand on the word and stand on the word. And I've seen God's faithfulness when I do. Thank God for my wife. My wife is a woman, man. She'll believe God with me. And there's times she'll look at me and she'll go, you need to get in faith. And I'll look at her like, don't tell me that. But I realize it's true. And so I begin to load up on the word of God. And I'll begin to write scripture. And I'll begin to believe it. Whatever the area of my life is. Just, just recently, at times, I, I'll get over, and this, this may help some of you tonight. I begin to replay things in my mind, even when I go to bed. How many of you have ever overthought something? I sit there, and I try to figure things out in my mind. And the more I do it, it becomes this massive game of Scrabble. I have, I have not one letter. I have nothing. In my mind, and so at at times that begins to happen. It begins to bombard you, and so this is Philippians 4, verse 6. It says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything with prayer and supplication, make your request be made known to God. And the peace of God which surpasses your understanding will guard your heart and your mind through Christ Jesus. So when my mind starts doing that and I start overthinking stuff, you know what I say? Be anxious for nothing, but by prayer and supplications make your request be made known to God. And so instead of sitting there all night and worrying and trying to figure things out that I know I can't fix, I can't fix that steeple. I thought about it. Not doing a very good job, but anyhow... So I say, Father God, you're aware of all my needs. You're aware of those things. And so you know what? I'm going to give you that anxiety. Let you have it. First Peter 5, it says, cast all your care upon the Lord for he cares for you. And part of that is human beings. We've got this thought, especially as men, we'll just eat a little more spinach. We'll just become pie pies. We can handle it. I got it. And so to a degree, it becomes an area of pride that says, you know what, I'm too prideful to ask God for help. Or, I'm too stubborn. I'm not asking. And so I'm just locating, even with my own life, what do I, so now what do I do? I just hang on to those scriptures. 
And when that stuff tries, I say, uh-uh, uh-uh. Philippians 4, 6, be anxious for nothing. I'm anxious for nothing. So just like the Israelites, I'm going to have an opportunity to believe God's word and walk by faith, or I'm going to get over an unbelief. And one of the symptoms of unbelief is if out of your mouth you are a whiner, you are a bellyacher, you are a complainer, it's a pretty good sign you're not believing God. Because if I'm believing God, I'm going to say, God's got this. God's got it. So, you know, since God's got it, we might as well just go home and get a good night's sleep, had we? We'll stand on your feet and we'll do that. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.